Coming to you from Helping Our Music Evolve in Nashville, this is the Quinn Spin. Hey now! And welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of the Quinn Spin. I'm your host, the Quinn, and we are here at Underground Music Collective, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify podcast, which I'm really excited about. That's brand new for this month's episode. First new episode premiering on Spotify. You just heard Rebel 9's All I've Become. That's been our opening theme song here at the Quinn Spin pretty much forever, or at least since 2014. And I'm very excited about today's show because I have joining me, sitting across from me here at Helping Our Music Evolve, Mr. Austin James otherwise known as The Slow Drag. Austin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. I'm very excited to have you. I think we have a lot to talk about here today. And before we really dive into that, I ask every guest of the show three standard questions. Those three questions are, who are you, what do you do, and why on earth would you want to come on Hmm. The Quinn Spin? Man. Uh, So, as previously mentioned, I am Austin James, a.k.a. The Slow Drag. As for what I do, I'm... Figuring that out every day. I don't. I couldn't really tell you. Aren't but, we all? <laughs> Aren't we all? I pass the time making musical things and mm-hmm. other types of things. But yeah, always figuring it out. Um, and I'm on. I'm on the Quinn Spin because he asked me to be on the Quinn Spin, and I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, you know independent musician stuff. I know that you're a champion of independent musicians, and I feel like this is a great outlet to. Get to know one another, get to know me for your audience, and just think out loud. I always love that. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. thinking out loud, just kind of seeing where it goes, you know, just seeing where my and your and everyone's stream mm-hmm. of consciousness just kind of mm-hmm. takes us. It makes things, it makes for an interesting time, I think, every time out. So I like starting from the beginning here. So mm-hmm. I want to talk first about the experiences, the people, the artists that shaped you musically mm-hmm. and what inspired, what influenced you to really want to pursue a creative life? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, th- I mean, in the in the, the simplest in the beginning answer is that when I was a teenager, uh, I wanted to be Butch Walker. Mm-hmm. So that kind of like set me <laughs> set me down the path. Um, but I started I started playing music with my friends on the block. I was really lucky. I grew up in the same house uh, until I left my hometown and on the block where that house was, was uh, a handful of kids that were all about my age. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we would have the pool parties and, you know, go go on bike rides and rollerblades and video games and all that stuff. And eventually that led to uh, music. And we all got instruments and started playing in, in a band together, which was a lot of fun. At the time, we were all kind of getting into second-generation punk rock Bands like The Vandals and No Effects and mm-hmm. Early Green Day, Operation Ivy, these kinds of things. So yeah. those are the songs that we were playing, and and those uh, the songs that we were writing sounded a lot like those. Mm-hmm. And that Would was you, a lot of fun. I think that's a starting point for a lot of musicians, mm-hmm. especially of our generation too, getting into punk rock, getting mm-hmm. and starting by learning those songs and then writing in that style. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because especially right after uh, I started playing. Um, like I was born in the '80s, mm-hmm. and so uh, that means that, like, you know, if you're if you're a few years younger than me, then pop punk was what was on the radio, right? When you were coming to and mm-hmm. starting to listen to your own music, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Blink One Eighty Two, but I didn't listen to that poser garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I I was never a big Blink guy either. My friends loved Blink, but mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, it, it never really did anything for me. 
You know? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some there's some undeniable hits and some fun, hooky, simple melodies, which I do really love. But mm-hmm. to, you know, I can... I know that I can say shit, but can I talk a little shit? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And we were talking about this on the air. Profanity's allowed here. So yeah, yeah. say it however you want. Dude Ranch was the first record that I remember listening to where I played the record and thought to myself, these songs all sound the same. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yeah. But I did like Some 41 a lot. And what was interesting about that period of time was that Butch Walker, who I mentioned being a, a huge influence on me, uh, he, uh, around the time of this pop punk and, and uh, like second gen mainstream punk resurgence, um, he was exiting the performer role and entering more of a songwriter producer role. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this at the time, but you know, I found out later that he was writing and producing a lot of those pop punk songs that I really, really loved on the radio. Mm-hmm. By bands like Bowling for Soup or American High Fire, SR seventy one, these kinds of these kinds of hits. SR seventy one. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember those guys. And then they kind of took like this Lincoln Park kind of turn at some point. Mm. That song Tomorrow, I think it was called that they came out with. Oh, that I couldn't I just remember right now. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I remember of that song. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like a couple years after that, like I found some song. I think it was on like The Box or one of those music video channels. Yeah, The Box, The Box. Yeah, I'm like, wait, (laughs) this kind of sounds like Linkin Park-ish. Like it was a lot darker Mm -hmm. and like I could have definitely heard one of Mike Shinoda's verses just kind of coming in there. Like (laughs) Tomorrow, I think the song is called. SR71. They Mm -hmm. definitely, they were definitely trying to get in on that Linkin Park thing at one point. Yeah, yeah. So, So... you ended up uh, in L.A., mm. and you were uh, with a band called Everybody Else. You guys were able to do some pretty cool things. You had some really cool opportunities there. Absolutely, and yeah. I, I want to give you a chance to talk about that experience and what you learned from it kind of formatively as a musician and how it has informed everything that's come since. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that band was, was kind of a Cinderella story for me in that um, – I, before I moved to Los Angeles, I went to go. This we just we'll just call this Butch Walker's com, uh, podcast. <laughs> um, I went to go see him play in L.A. before mm-hmm. I'd moved out there. And the lead singer of Everybody Else, Carrick Morgarity, he was the opening act for that show. So it's like you know I'm young and impressionable and super excited. I'm hanging out at the merch table, buying the CDs and chatting with those dudes. And mm-hmm. I take their music back to Fresno, my hometown, and. Uh, blast it in my car around town, really get to know it and enjoy it. And then, you know, fast forward about a year and a half later, uh, I'm in L.A. I've been in L.A. for about a year. Uh, I've got a new collection of songs, and I'm starting to play out. And uh, I run into Carrick, and I'm like, hey, man, I'd love to play some shows with you. Um, Can we work something out? Uh, Real real green style, just like super... Not the way I would have done it today. Mm-hmm. Um, but he let me know that the band really needed a bass player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not play bass at the time, but said that I did. Um, <laughs> which, thank goodness, that record was just really straightforward, easy peasy, like uh-huh. as few notes possible with the highest possible impact. So I grabbed the CD um, and learned to play the tunes and uh, joined that band. It was I feel like I was on tour with them within two weeks. And what was really cool was that, you know, Carrick and Mikey, the members of those band, uh, or the members of that band, 
they had already put in a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I was bass player number four or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were able to just roll right onto some pretty decent tours. You know, yeah. at the time, our the first tour that we went on after I joined the band was with another band that I was listening to in my hometown. You know, blasting in my car, Rooney, um, and that was really exciting because also. Ozma was on that tour, and mm-hmm. Ozma was one of my favorite bands. And so, if you if if anybody's listening and they've never heard of Ozma, like, check them out. They're like a they're like a a mathier Weezer a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah, really cool band though. So that was like, you know, I'd left my hometown where, you know, in Fresno there there wasn't anybody off the top of my head, uh, who was well-known in town for being somebody who grew up in Fresno and became uh, a famous musician or, mm-hmm. you know, was was leading the way or, or being an example like that. So it was really something to suddenly be in L.A. and be not only exposed to but playing with and hanging with and chatting with these bands that were, you know, had only lived in my CD player right. at, before that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, everybody else went on for a couple more years. We were trying really hard to be uh, a mainstream band, mm-hmm. um, and we we were doing well. Honestly, like we would have killed it as an indie band, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you know, my bandmates at the time were around my age now, a little younger, like mm-hmm. just on the cusp of thirty, uh-huh. and I was like twenty twenty one or something when I joined the band, right? Um, and so, you know, when you get to that point in life, your your priorities are a little different. You you have a wider scope on uh, the world and your place in it and what a career means and what money means. And, right. you know, your quality of life just gets a little higher and higher mm-hmm. <laughs> every year you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that that led a little bit to the, um, uh, the dissolving of that band, mm-hmm. which was very heartbreaking for me at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because if anybody's been in a band for years and years, you know that it's like being in a relationship with more than one person, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. if you've ever had a bad breakup, like just multiply that times however many people were in the band, and that's what it feels like when a band that you really like <laughs> breaks up, and it's not <laughs> it's not your doing, right, you know, right. but the, everybody else did not break up in some sort of like terrible, horrible way. It just sort of like, oh, we're ha- we ran into challenge after challenge mm-hmm. after challenge with things not quite going our way. That uh, it just slowly dissolved. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And after that, I I just meandered around LA for a few years, not doing much of anything. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I remember watching the When We Were Beautiful documentary that Bon Jovi put out right around mm-hmm. right before the release of the Circle, and they said the same thing. It is a sexless marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And there are except there are more relationships and more dynamics within that marriage, you know, as opposed to you know it just being between two people, you know, and you have all these different personalities to manage. And, you know, that's why I think it's so hard for bands to stay together. You know, I mean, you look at the, you know, there are very few bands, very few national touring acts that have been doing it for decades that haven't had a lineup change Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Like even John's writing partner and right-hand man, Richie Sambora, he left the band in 2013 after 30 years, Mm -hmm. you know, and it just, you know, sometimes it just gets to that point, right? Where it just falls apart 
for one reason or another. Sometimes it's, you know, it accumulates over time, you know, Mm -hmm. the different reasons and the little challenges that build up. Sometimes it is explosive, but either way, it is something that is a part of you and something that can be very difficult to overcome the challenge of that and, you know, to fill that void of, okay, what do I do now? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little more about that transition, you know, Mm -hmm. from your time with everybody else and your time in LA, you know, to your solo project and what that was like for you and what the challenges were that Mm -hmm. you faced personally and had to overcome. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, uh, it was very bewildering. What I remember about that time, which now is like almost a lifetime ago, mm-hmm. um, this was probably about s- seven, eight years mm-hmm. that band broke up, but I do remember feeling, uh, like it would be an impossible task to start over and build something up from scratch. And furthermore, you know, I, I was I was lucky to have walked onto a working project uh, at the time. You know, it gave me a lot of experience that, you know, in terms of like, you know, being on a professional tour and, you know, playing tight sets and interacting with audiences and touring heavily and internationally and all these all these things that that uh, take some time to build up but really give you a lot of experience like all of that was was great and I still take all that with me but the prospect of having to figure out the best way to do that on my own once again was uh, pretty overwhelming at the time and I didn't I, I spun wheels for a long time. I, I didn't uh, apply myself uh, the way that I now know one needs to mm-hmm. in order to be successful at something. Which, like, honestly, like the the best the best advice that anybody could give anybody who wants to do anything is just to go do it mm-hmm. and keep doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in the beginning, it might not even be that good, but you're going to get better and you're going to mm-hmm. learn. Yeah. You know, and eventually well, it will be there. Cool thing about art and music is you don't really have to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be nice, you can be personable, you can mm-hmm. be a great hang. I mean, don't get me wrong, skills and talent definitely help. Yeah. But, you know, we live in Nashville. I came from LA. There are plenty of people whose uh, social skills and ability to be a politician and just light up a room and be charismatic can take them just as far. Uh, if not further mm-hmm. than somebody who's got the best song or the fastest fingers or whatever in town, you know? Right, right. Mm-hmm. It's all part of that personal brand that you build for yourself. It's all mm-hmm. part. We're all in a way. And I think I, I want to preface this by saying authenticity is absolutely important. But we're all developing our persona of who mm-hmm. we are in that public role. Mm-hmm. Right. And what we represent as ourselves and as an extension of the brand that we create. Right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And yeah, all that all that stuff did not come into play <laughs> until really just recently. And I'm I'm still three years into the slow drag, getting a handle on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll try to I'll try to not be so long winded. Band breaks up. I'm super depressed. Do almost nothing. Go back to school for a couple of years, actually, mm-hmm. and then realize while I'm in school, like mm, this is interesting and fun. Learning is always interesting and fun. Of course. Um, but if I'm going to give eight to 10 years of my life to something, it might as well be something that I know I really enjoy and I'm good at. It's going to be a challenge either way. Of course. You know, it's like getting a couple degrees is not easy. The big difference between that kind of a path 
uh, and an entrepreneurial creative path mm -hmm. is that you've got a little more laid out for you. You've got show up at this time, listen to this lecture, read this chapter, take mm -hmm. this test, take these courses, go here, here's your job now. Uh, here, I'm your boss. I'm going to tell you what to do today. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like those are all very nice things to have that you don't have when you're uh, an entrepreneur right. uh, and a creative entrepreneur. You know, not that they're mutually exclusive. You know, if you were, you know, starting a construction company or open up a restaurant, you know, you'd still have to learn to schedule yourself and learn mm -hmm. to figure out what the next steps are. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's the biggest challenge of mm -hmm. building anything is just there's no right way to do things. Mm -hmm. Everybody's making it up as they go along. Yeah. And you just got to keep trying things till you find something that works. Mm -hmm. But And nobody's going to do it for you. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. all mm -hmm. it's all self <laughs> self motivated, you know, yeah. in terms of mm -hmm. going out and, you know, if I don't do this thing, then it's not getting done. Right. You know, especially in the beginning of something, you know, where you don't necessarily have a team around you mm -hmm. where you don't where nobody knows your name. Nobody knows your brand. You have to do everything you can and keep coming up with ideas to get that out there and to build awareness of what you're doing. And then eventually you, maybe you build that team, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're able to delegate and have that help, but especially in the beginning, nobody is going to do these things for you. Nobody's going to make it happen, but you. Yeah. And there might be things that you don't like doing, you know, associated with that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, some people just want to write songs and mm -hmm. they don't want to be bothered with the social media and the marketing aspect of it. But guess what? Yeah. It's in this day and age, mm -hmm. if you want to grow that brand, you got to be there and you have to keep learning about the nuances and the algorithms and everything mm -hmm. as they keep changing. But I do think it's important to keep in mind that while there's always going to be something that you don't want to do, like I unless you're the biggest star on the planet and even then, you know, like people like Drake and Beyonce and Taylor Swift, like they they I don't know, this is wildly speculative. Mm -hmm. Uh but I wonder who's got more autonomy in their lives. Someone like me and an independent musician at my level mm -hmm. or them themselves where it's like they're required to be places, required to eat and drink certain things or dress certain ways. Yeah. And, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think I think I know the answer to that and I don't want to speculate. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> but yeah, there, there is a certain freedom to being <laughs> this independent creative to yeah. being this entrepreneur mm -hmm. that maybe you don't have when you're at that level. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine trying to go to Kroger down the street here and you're Drake or you're Beyonce. Mm -hmm. You get mobbed. You're not going to make it out of there. You mm -hmm. better have four bodyguards on either side. Yeah. You know, whereas you or I, like, we're part of this community and we're doing the thing in our own respective ways, but we can go to the store and we're not going to get hassled. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's something as simple as that yeah. versus having the creative freedom, mm -hmm. you know, having the freedom to control your brand however you want to control that brand. Right. And that's something that I really, really value. And, you know, after, after dropping out um, and starting a new solo project that didn't really last that long in L.A., a buddy of mine was like, hey, I'm moving to Nashville. You want to check out Nashville? And I was like, sure, why not? I mean, if I hate it, LA's not going anywhere, and mm -hmm. it'd be nice to get out of town. Man, I did not know how badly I needed to get out of LA. Um, uh -huh. And I, you know, there are people there that I love and things that I that I really miss about the city. Um, but at the end of the day, like, it was a horrible place to spend 
my formative years. <laughs> Gave me a lot of complexes, mm-hmm. uh, made me super insecure and <laughs> all these things. But yeah, I got out of I got out of LA, came to Nashville and spent the first six months or so out here just diving into the songwriter scene. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel you, man. I just want to write some songs, mm-hmm. record some songs. That's amazing. Um, but what I found was that I was running into, uh, which which is just part of interacting with the industry, mm-hmm. a lot of gatekeepers, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes you, you need those people in your life, but I knew that you don't you don't need them for a career right you know at least doing what i wanted to do right. which was like i have original music i have songs i love i'm mm-hmm. able to perform and i'm pretty good at performing mm-hmm. Not, you know i don't want to toot my own horn too much because there are some amazing people out there right but yeah you'll have a good time you mm-hmm. know if you come to the show <laughs> mm-hmm. and so i i liked that there were things that i could do within my own power that helped uh build and advance my career mm-hmm. you know and occasionally there are times where uh certain things in the industry can come into play mm-hmm. but i'm not waiting for them i'm not expecting them i'm not really disappointed if you know something doesn't work out or something because my my current project is all about the relationship i have between me and the people listening and supporting you know mm-hmm. and that's you know, pub companies will go under, <clears throat> excuse me, record labels will get bought and sold, you know, your agent might move to another company or switch careers or something like that, but you'll always have a relationship with the fans. Right. And that's that's what makes a sustaining music career, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I've been really focused on that kind of, uh, that kind of model building mm-hmm. this building this uh, project that I'm working on, the slow drag. Yeah, and I think, I think central to that, uh, this is a, Awesome segue. So thanks for setting me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is uh, is um, the Patreon? That's right. Presence that mm-hmm. you've developed and you've cultivated over time. So mm-hmm. your fans, your your patrons can go on and they can support these different projects by donating, and they get exclusives. They get different incentives by mm-hmm. doing so. That's right. As your fan, so dive a little more into how you've tapped into that and what it's done for you and for the Slow Drag as mm-hmm. a project. Patreon, I, I launched it with the first single I released. Um, and I didn't know how well it was going to work. It was a small uh, small start over on Patreon. I think I started off with like the first month was like eight or nine patrons mm-hmm. and then maybe a dozen in, in the subsequent months after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, like I knew that I wasn't going to get this giant groundswell of patrons that like immediately uh, made it so I could be completely independent. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also knew that like it was a good thing to have in place. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of my business model, uh, as best I can, is based off um, a band called Hanson, who does. Uh, you know they 
they are still touring. They are still putting out records, and they have a, a very supportive fan base mm-hmm. to whom they cater as frequently as possible. Mm-hmm. At least that's the way it appears to me. Yeah, you know, it's and like they're they, fantastic musicians. Absolutely, you know, a lot of people just know mm-hmm. them from Mbop. Yeah, but yeah. like listen to their other music. Mm-hmm. Like I'm and just go gonna see throw, them live. Yeah, yeah I'm just mm-hmm. gonna throw Hanson a plug here. Like mm-hmm. you, li- you listen to their other stuff that they've been putting out for two decades now, two mm-hmm. plus decades. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna be pretty amazed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are a handful of bands out there like them who, you know, when when rock and roll was bigger mm-hmm. uh, and the 90s were bigger and, and outlets were uh, less ubiquitous in terms of music, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are a number of bands that did what they did, had at least one crazy good hit mm-hmm. and a handful of follow-up hits, yep. but are not mainstream today. Right. You know, the, there are some bands out there who realized this trend and wanted to take control of their own careers mm-hmm. uh, and have done a great, great job doing so. And some of these bands have the most supportive fan bases out yeah. there. You know, mm-hmm. people who just really attach to that that time in their life and love being reminded of it and also love growing themselves and with the music. But you know, Hanson has done such a great job of not only doing what uh, what people love them for, which mm-hmm. is writing great songs and yeah. putting on great shows, mm-hmm. but, you know, they also have special fan club offerings mm-hmm. and shows, and they have, you know, other ventures that, you know, you see, you see, you know, like big stars having their clothing companies or whatever, you know, they've got, they've got beer and festivals and things mm-hmm. like that. And all this to say that they are a band that, uh, you know, has taken, taken avenues that are non-traditional right. and stuck with the ones that really work for them. Mm-hmm. And so... Patreon for me is, you know, my own tiny fan club. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a whole lot of patrons, um, but I have I have enough to really help me do what I need to do. Right. You know, and so like Patreon combined with the online shows that I play and occasional live shows that I play and, you know, all these little tiny things that come in, you know, merch sales. Online merch sales are a little more difficult because you can't, you know, like hold something in your hand, right. which I love. But mm-hmm. they're still there, you know, songwriting opportunities. They come in, they trickle in here and there. And, mm-hmm. you know, individually, no, not one thing I do right now is enough to totally sustain me. Right. But uh, they're all they're all parts of a whole. And and Patreon is, is an invaluable part of that whole. You know, it gives me a chance to give music and artwork uh, directly to fans, uh, oftentimes, early or exclusively it gives me an opportunity to connect with them and be like hey what do you guys like just just recently um i was like hey i'm trying to decide what kind of physical merch to order for this run of shows i'm about to go on mm-hmm. what do you guys think you know right. this that or the other thing i did do, i did do that poll in particular on facebook but the majority of people who interacted with it are patrons were patrons mm-hmm. you know might become patrons someday and it's yeah. a really cool thing to just Focus on the people that matter. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember who I was talking to about this the other day, but it's a great point that I think is worth repeating, um, especially you know for someone like myself that has a small but mighty fan base. Right. Is you can go play out to a bar and there are 100 people there and 98 of them are having conversations and talking over the music and not really paying attention, but mm-hmm. two people are really, really into it. And yeah. if you 
as uh, as a creative and as you know someone who's narcissistic enough to hop up on stage and play your original music, <laughs> if you can focus on those two people mm-hmm. more often than you lose focus on them and and see that there are 98 people not listening, mm-hmm. you're going to do so much better focusing on those two people because they're really what matters, you know? Yeah. And the world is going to be that way. Like, mm-hmm. at my height, I'm, after I do this for a few more years, mm-hmm. um, I will still I will still have such a small percentage of the population yeah. aware of what I'm doing, mm-hmm. much less into it, Right. you know, that... that, that just focusing on those who are into it uh, keeps me motivated, keeps me wanting to make things and put yeah. things out because I know that it matters to people, mm-hmm. and that's a really really cool thing. Yeah, yeah. No matter I, you, no matter the size of the fan base, if you mm-hmm. find that you're really reaching people, if you find that you're making an impact through the content that you're putting out, mm-hmm. through the performances you're giving, that gives so much back to you. Mm-hmm. You know, be, because there's always this exchange going on, right, between you as the artist, you as the brand and the people interacting with that and really getting something back that also informs you of what those people want, you know, what those people are into. And it helps inform what you're going to put out mm-hmm. for them. And it just builds this relationship over time. And it allows you to also branch out into those other not necessarily even music related ventures, you know, but they're all part of this larger melting pot of the brand. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's very important, I think, to, again, recognize, you know, the, as the saying goes, your band is your brand, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and there are so many things that you can do around that to not only build that following and not only engage those people, but to also sustain yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. come up with these different ways and just really think outside the box. Right. In that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to be able to do that, Mm -hmm. uh, sustain yourself. I mean, and also think outside of the box. Of course. Yeah, taking taking non traditional routes uh, can be wildly liberating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, as far as the music is concerned, mm-hmm. you're uh, releasing a single a month right now. This is an ambitious thing. Yes. Um, I am just barely keeping my head above water with mm-hmm. everything that I'm doing this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Um, which, coming into the year, I thought was going to be fairly simple. Mm-hmm. I wanted to release uh, a song a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a studio version of a song. Yeah. I also wanted to release acoustic versions of that song with uh, a, a release an acoustic version of that same song every month as well. But I've already fallen a little behind on that mm-hmm. because I'm also doing a weekly podcast and a weekly online concert series. Uh-huh. So all that to say, I will release all of the acoustic versions this year. Yeah. They'll just be divided up into a couple of records. I might be able to release them all mm-hmm. Uh after the summertime, you know, month by month again. Yeah. Uh, but I just really like, it's something I've always wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, even in older bands, for years and years and years now. And it's something that I, uh, I don't know if I'll continue to do into next year, but I do like episodic releases. Mm-hmm. You know, what this what this venture might translate into for next year is, uh, you know, four EPs mm-hmm. instead of 12 singles yeah. or something like that. Because it is... You know, on the outset of it, I was like, oh, this shouldn't be too bad. But it's like, you know, 24 singles in a year means 24 singles. And I record and mix myself Mm -hmm. as well, um, mostly because it helps keep the overhead down Mm -hmm. and I can work at a certain pace. And I do like having a home studio and and being able to work things out as I go. That's, That's a lot of fun. 
Um, but, uh, oh, shit, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it happens. It's it a happens. lot. It's just a whole. Oh yeah, yeah but yeah. it's like yeah, you think things are going to be more simple, but then there's always more and more details. You of know? course, 24. yeah. There are always those. Th- once yeah. you go down that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. there are always those things that yeah. you weren't quite expecting. Maybe yeah. some roadblocks and some challenges that come up that may delay, like the acoustic singles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the acoustic sure. versions, for instance. You know, and sometimes you have to pick and choose like, okay, maybe this can wait so I can focus on making this as good as it needs to be and giving this its proper attention. Mm -hmm. Right. And like you said, it's not just releasing singles. It's going live. It's the the slow drag brings a buddy. It's making sure you have a podcast out every single week, Mm -hmm. you know, and the time that it takes, as I know, to prepare and plan and record and then go back and edit that. Mm hmm. It's time consuming. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you have to do other things like eat, sleep, you know. Unfortunately, God. I've been waiting for food and sleep pills forever. Yeah, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just take some. It re-energizes you. You don't even need to sleep. Yeah, man. Or, like, for something weird to happen with the Earth's orbit or something that, you know, puts a few extra hours in the day, I'd I'd be a fan of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know what it would mean for the balance of the universe, but, Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, just give me what I want. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What's interesting about the singles, though, to to stay on that for a second, is so each one brings something different to the table sonically. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're very much not trying to stay in a particular box. Sure. It's this idea of American rock and roll as a fluid thing. Now, the lyrical style, the lyrical content might be the common thread, you know, as far as your writing style goes, but each one kind of offers something different. So you have a single like Broken Arrow from May, mm-hmm. totally different from March, which was God Roots for my team. Yeah. And you know, it's probably time to update the bio. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when I wrote that, when I started the uh-huh. slow drag, like I was reveling in the fact that I was not limited to uh bands and being in a band and playing a particular instrument in a band or only having these particular instruments available, Mm -hmm. you know, and thinking about, oh, how's this going to sound live? I was like, you know, no, I am a multi-instrumentalist and I have visions for certain songs and sometimes they won't necessarily sound exactly like the same band. So let's just go with that. Yeah. You know, might as well make something I really like. And Mm -hmm. as I've... As I've done that uh, for a couple of tunes and as I move forward with the kinds of songs that I'm writing and wanting to release, uh, it's evolved actually more into um, what would I love to listen to when I was 16 years old, Mm -hmm. you know? And so uh, I think the songs that will come out uh, as the year goes on will sound a little similar sonically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just because that's that's what I'm going for right now. Yeah. I just want some something that I can crank with some big guitars mm-hmm. and like that garage band sound. But that being said, you know there there are a couple tunes on deck that are like heavily influenced by Nashville. They sound kind of like you know Western rock and roll, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't want to. I want them to live like that, you mm-hmm. know. And I've got songs where it's just like poppy program drums and synths are the way to go. Mm-hmm. And so. Doing them that way is really liberating. Yeah. You do whatever you want, and mm-hmm. if you don't like it, you can start over. Yeah. You know, it's one mm-hmm. of the joys of recording at home and, and you know not necessarily needing a budget. Granted, it, it does mean that sometimes things take me a little longer Yeah. because um, mm-hmm. I don't have that time crunch. I don't have other people depending on me to finish at a certain date, or, right. and I, you know, I'm not like, oh, i got to send these off to the mixer and then mm-hmm. make sure those get done and schedule yeah. this thing and, mm-hmm. you know 
when it's when it's just your own time and it's your own passion project, you kind of like let it take as long as mm-hmm. it's going to take because it's always fun. Yeah, you can let each piece breathe that way mm-hmm. and kind of become what it needs to become mm-hmm. on its own without without the pressure. Yeah, you know, without expectation. You know, and it's not necessarily this idea of let's throw it to the wall and see what sticks. It's more. I'm going to write this song and kind of let it take its own mood, let it, let it take mm-hmm. its own shape yeah. over time. And then once it's ready, release that into the world and come out with the next thing. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to talk, too, about uh, the, the live broadcast, namely the Slow Drag Brings a Buddy. So cool. every Thursday night. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. You have a musician who you've encountered, who you've worked with before, come join you and you just trade songs and stories mm-hmm. and yeah. play for the live audience on Facebook. Of course, right. people can donate as well to the tip jar. Mm-hmm. People can support the slow drag of giveaways as well uh, as part of this. So tell us more about that mm-hmm. and where the idea came from and kind of the life it's taken. Well, I've been doing the broadcasting for almost three years now. It'll be it'll be three years in October mm-hmm. of this year. Um and when I started it, I was using not Facebook. I was using a website called YouNow, which is a broadcasting website um, uh, where you know the, the user base goes on. They want to see broadcasts. The people who are providing the content, mm-hmm. uh, they are broadcasters. And so there's a great, great market for that. Um, but it wasn't necessarily the best for music. Um, so when I moved on to Facebook, I was having a, a nice time trying to find some music fans to come check out the broadcast. It's not, it's really hard to discover a broadcast mm-hmm. on Facebook. Um, and so I, what, I, what I noticed is that audience growth was shrinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of trying to bang my head against the wall, trying to figure out, like, oh, how am I going to get more people to watch me on Facebook, um, it, it occurred to me that it might be better to get out of my my own head in my own little bubble that's one of the dangers of being on the internet so much mm-hmm. like you know for those of you listening like i might have played i if i played 10 shows last year mm-hmm. i'd be surprised right you know mm-hmm. um oh no i did actually go on a short tour so i might have i might have done a little over 10 <laughs> uh, <laughs> but all that to say like i don't do a whole lot of live shows right now as yeah. part of what i'm doing mm-hmm. um i plan on changing that yeah. uh, over the next year like it's mm-hmm. It's coming into focus quite a bit. Um, but I knew that I had something great. You know, it's like the people who, who had been along for the ride, like they were they were in it with me. And I knew that I could depend on some of these people to, you know, if I'm broadcasting somewhere else, if I'm playing somewhere else, whatever, they're they're going to be paying attention and being mm-hmm. supportive. And, and, and I want to share that with the Nashville community as yeah. best I can, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like I can't really offer a great show to an out-of-towner or somebody in town mm-hmm. um, in terms of like, hey, let's go play at this place and we'll play to a bunch of people and it'll be a shit ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have these outlets where it's like, hey, there are there are people who really like music and are invested in musicians and their journeys and the songs that they write. Mm-hmm. Let's give you some exposure to them mm-hmm. and let's give them something that isn't just fucking me mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mix it up a little bit. Uh-huh. And that's where the podcast and the online concert series came into play. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I love doing the podcast and uh, the slow drag brings a buddy um, because they are so different from traditional shows. Mm-hmm. 
but they're still a great way to you know commingle communities mm-hmm. give give my fans something new and novel and exciting every week yeah um, and uh, it's it's a great way to get to know another musician in mm-hmm. town yeah I think much more effective than uh, playing an actual show yeah. with them it's like you might have a good time playing mm-hmm. a show with somebody especially you know somebody that you already know but if if they're a stranger to you mm-hmm. and you're just sharing a bill, you know, there's there's some yeah. there's some nights I've I've played shows like that, and I don't spend five whole minutes talking to the other acts. Right. You know. Right. Uh, and, and then you can mean to follow up, and everybody gets so busy, you know, with mm-hmm. their various projects. It could be months before you actually do that. Mm-hmm. This is different in a sense that you're in the same room, mm-hmm. just playing and live streaming with this person. Yeah. <laughs> and, and chatting with them too. Yeah. You know, getting to know them a little bit, allowing the audience to do the same on mm-hmm. every one of my online concerts. Um, there is a period where you know I encourage the audience to ask questions, and mm-hmm. and obviously they're not you know super in depth questions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're silly, sometimes they're pretty standard interview style questions. Yeah. But it's a great way because they're they're things I wouldn't necessarily think to ask, and a great right. way for the audience to see how much they like the guests as mm-hmm. well. You yeah, know? it's like we've had serious questions like you know why do you play music you know and wh- who are your biggest influences to like what's your favorite pizza topping or something like that just all this fun stuff to interact mm-hmm. and and at the end of it like you know uh like you know after this podcast is done we're gonna turn off the mics and chat a little bit yeah same thing with my podcast and the online concerts mm-hmm. it's so great you know the 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 show ends but the relationship can continue to develop and we're able to immediately follow up Mm -hmm. on um you know some of the things we were talking about be it Mm -hmm. touring or merch strategies or production ideas or song ideas or just Mm -hmm. you know general talking about uh you know our own careers the friends we know around town anything you know that like when you're at a traditional show you are thinking about like, oh, I gotta make sure I didn't leave that cable on stage, uh-huh. or I gotta pack up my merch, or you know, make sure that I connect with these people, or make mm-hmm. sure that I close out, or close my tab, or <laughs> all <laughs> yeah. these things, you know. Uh-huh. But it's like these these particular uh, shows, the podcast and the online concert, they really let me connect with someone I think is doing something cool, either in town or from out of town. We've had occasional passers through come mm-hmm. on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and also to share my audience with uh, with other musicians, which I think is, I know that I'm not going to get further unless other people do the same with right. me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. I need opportunities to get in front of fresh eyes and ears. Yes. And so why wouldn't I do that for other mm-hmm. people around town. I don't expect the people who have come onto my podcast or my show to call me up and be like, hey, let's play a show. Yeah. But, you know, I think I think simply by blindly doing it and mm-hmm. not knowing what's going to happen, mm-hmm. something good will happen. <laughs> yeah. and, and two thoughts on that. On our last episode in May, uh, when I had Wilson Harwood on, we talked about this notion of the best way to help yourself is to help other people, you know, mm-hmm. and to really create this sense of community, this sense of collaboration, you know, that I think is becoming increasingly important, you know, particularly here in Nashville, where Mm -hmm. people are really realizing, like, we're stronger together than we are apart. So let's Mm -hmm. do as much as we can together. Yeah. And with this model, as opposed to playing a show, you have this content that exists long after the show, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. long after you clean up your cables and close your tab. You have this thing, in our case, we have this episode of The Quinn Spin that's going to exist on the internet forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, but it's going to be there, and it's something you could always refer back to, you know? It's something 
that you can always go back and re-listen to and learn from all over again, mm -hmm. you know, which I think is really exciting about it. And while we're on the topic of podcasts, I do want to give a little more love to The Slow Drag as a podcast, too. Mm -hmm. Because I know for me, you know, speaking from my experience with this show, and even early into our current run, like, I'm learning so much from the guests I'm having on. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning mm -hmm. that, you know, our, our ways of getting here may have been different. You know, the experiences we've had, you know, may be different, but we're all fighting that same battle and there's so much that we can learn from one another mm -hmm. as we continue on as creatives trying to make our way in this world, both professionally and personally. So I want to give you a chance to talk about some of the things that you've learned in these exchanges you've had with your guests on the show. Mm, man, I've, I've, I've learned that we're all so the same. Mm. <laughs> Everybody's doing different things, yep. but you know, all the same struggles I hear. I hear a lot of the same not necessarily the details, but the same sentiments or stories, you know, fears uh, coming from uh, my guests on the podcast. And also, you know, the same, I don't know, the same uh, camaraderie is not the, the right word, but what it feel there, there is like an unspoken camaraderie mm -hmm. that people would find if they if they all had their own podcasts yeah. and talked with other creative mm -hmm. people, you know? Yeah. And even non-creative people, you know, if you're just trying to build anything, um, you know, like a, like I said earlier, like even if it's like a restaurant or a construction business mm -hmm. or something like that, you're still, you're still checking out the competition around town. You're mm -hmm. still trying to make sure that you are putting something out that's really good and you mm -hmm. want people to like it and you're worried that people won't and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all this stuff. And so, mm -hmm. I don't know, at the end of the day, it's just nice to to celebrate and commiserate with a lot of my mm -hmm. guests. And yeah. you know, I've, I've been, I started the podcast um, this year um, and I'm 20 something episodes in mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's starting to take, uh, it's starting to take more form in, in terms of like who I'm looking for, for a guest and the, the kinds of people that I want on the show and who yeah. I think can tell a good story. Um, and that's been nice to have that a, a little more focused and consistent of a guest roster. Mm -hmm. Um, cause what I am looking for at the end of the day is I, I, I want mostly people kind of in my position, people who have been independent for long enough to have some insight and wisdom but not so long that uh they've kind of forgotten the transitions mm -hmm. and, and the early plateaus and the early goal resets and you know some of the some of the big letdowns and mm -hmm. things like that like it's really cool to to hear about this journey in the first few years uh, mm -hmm. of someone's creative career and and becoming independent you know it's it really is like you know, crawling to, to toddling to walking to running, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, and if you can talk with people about that while it's still somewhat fresh in their heads, it's, it's a really cool conversation to have. And it's, you know, it's, it's where I'm at, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I don't know if I've, if I'd be able to, um, relate as much talking to somebody who's in a really well-established project, right. um, or has been around the block several times, mm -hmm. you know, it's, but this, not to say that I wouldn't have those people on my show. I, I'm going after a couple of them. Right, right, of mm -hmm. course. I, I think there's so much to be said, though, for the people that are still very much in the mud mm -hmm. <laughs> of it all, though. And Because yeah. when you're starting something like this, you know, when you're starting something like the slow drag mm -hmm. or the Quinn spin or whatever people are doing out there, there's so much 
that you don't account for. There is this naive kind of like, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to create all the things and do all the things without necessarily realizing right from the outset, like all the potential roadblocks that are going to come up, all the unexpected turns things are Mm -hmm. going to take, not only in terms of this thing that you're creating, but within your life. Mm -hmm. You know, since I started this show in 2013, Mm -hmm. my life has taken so many turns. It's like, it's like a, you know, a very long, drawn-out, uninteresting action movie. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. It's like there have been so many things, so many forks in the road that if you would ask me in 2013, I would have never, I would have never expected to be in Nashville in 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have never expected to leave the Northeast. Absolutely. But by way of starting this thing, it led me here. You know, and I and but there, there's been so much along that journey that maybe I hadn't accounted for, maybe I hadn't planned on. Some things were very much disappointing, you know, in both professional and personal regards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, there's, there's this idea that you mentioned of going from crawling to toddling to walking to running. Sometimes you have to go back to toddling. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you go back to different phases of it, break things down and build them back up. Mm-hmm. And so a resource like your podcast, I think, is very useful for people going through that or even people just starting out who don't know that they're about to go through that. Because Absolutely. It, you know, if, if folks like you and I who have been through some of these things – can impart that onto people just starting out, maybe they know what to look out for a little more. Maybe they know that, hey, this is a roadblock that could come up in my life. You know, by doing this, this might happen, mm-hmm. you know, either good or bad. <laughs> you know, right. by, by taking one action, it can affect a lot of other choices I have to make and a lot of other actions I'll have to take down the road. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, you know, there's, you know, very... F- you know, there's very much a fluidity, I think, in terms of, you know, our stories individually and the details of those stories, but a continuity in terms of this isn't easy. Mm-hmm. So let's commiserate with people who know that mm-hmm. and learn from each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and everybody's got their own ways of getting around the challenges that present themselves. Mm-hmm. And some of them are very unique mm-hmm. and you cannot repeat them. Yeah. And some of them are, are practical and obvious and you just weren't looking mm-hmm. <laughs> in the right spot at the right time. And yeah. you learn something from, I don't know, every, everybody who's trying to uh, get something out there. Yeah. You know, there's uh, there's a lot to be learned from anybody who's doing it. And the minute that you've the minute that you have done anything that someone else hasn't done, you can teach them to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, even if even if it seems like they've got all the shit together and have all mm-hmm. the answers, like, you know, everybody's individual knowledge is very valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think in learning that too, like you might hear a method that somebody used to get somewhere, mm-hmm. and you might have to tweak the details to make it work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their exact blueprint, mm-hmm. you know, might have come from their circumstances and the details of the, those circumstances, as we mentioned, may be different. But there's always there are always different shades of learning that you can take, I think, from other people's experiences, sure. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, even if you don't follow to a T like, hey, I did this, this and this and this is where I ended up like there are concepts there. Sure. There are nuances of, mm-hmm. of those experiences and just general themes of you know, overcoming adversity, of resilience, of just putting in the time toward this goal that I think we can, we all share in one way or another and that mm-hmm. we can all kind of learn from each other and become inspired in that sense of, hey, this person is going through it or has gone through it too, and they've succeeded in their way. Mm-hmm. So what can I learn from that to apply it to my life and to my situation? Right, and sometimes 
you have to look at that and be like, there's nothing I can apply mm -hmm. to my life and my situation. Right. Good for them. I'm mm -hmm. not going to bang my head against the wall trying to do what they did. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Again, different shades. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's all different shades. And I say that because there was a, a big period in my life where it's like I was just trying all the things musically, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, av b before Nashville, after everybody else. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I was writing, I was a hired gun, I was like producing demos here and there, trying to start uh, a solo project. And I don't know, it was just like. Mm -hmm. It wasn't quite right for me. Right, and over <laughs> time, I was, think. Yeah. Over time, I think you figure out what's right for you. Mm -hmm. You know, and you yeah. kind of, you you know what you start to gravitate toward, and you start to do more of that, and mm -hmm. less of the things that don't necessarily fit. Mm -hmm. Right, and it takes time to develop that. Yeah, you know, it really does. Like, how many versions of this show there have been? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, they may have been right at the time. But as, you know, as I've learned more about the business, as I've learned more about what it takes to succeed doing something like this, it's become much more focused to where we used to, you know, have a morning show with all this music and all these crazy segments. And now it's literally me and you mm -hmm. sitting here talking. It takes time to develop and really refine what you're doing and to really find those things that are right for you and those things that will work toward that vision mm -hmm. and how and also will work toward how that vision has evolved yeah because the vision itself might change you know things you know what you set out to do might not be the road you end up going down you might find a better path something mm -hmm. that works better for you in the in the larger sense oh yeah so then yeah. it's figuring out which of the smaller parts the components of that fit that vision or how you can make them fit the vision yeah yeah man and sometimes you can't find that out until you try a bunch of shit that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there, haven't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just in relation to what you were saying a few minutes ago, like if you'd asked me five years ago what I think I'll be doing in five years, the slow drag didn't exist. Mm -hmm. I was not broadcasting online regularly. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even listening to podcasts, you know. Yeah. I was I was thinking about like writing songs for the the artists on labels out here and other mm -hmm. indie artists and things like that. And nothing I thought I was going to be doing when I was a teenager is what I'm doing now. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess, you know, it's, I'm still making rock and roll and playing shows here and there, but you know, I thought mm -hmm. I'd be like, yeah, you know, fucking, I don't know, the next green day or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but instead you blaze your own trail and you found yeah. your own path. And, it's true. Yeah. You know, it's something, it's something to really be proud of. You know, it's something, mm -hmm admirable and it's a lot of work yeah. <laughs> and know? when i lift my head up from the work on the table every now and then i do notice that and take mm -hmm. stock in that and i'm really really grateful for it you yeah know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but when there's always something to do when there's always something to build yeah. and keep going it can be hard to just you know take that top-down look at what you've got the way that you can when you're looking at what i'm doing and the mm -hmm. way that i can when i see what you do you know mm -hmm. it's like with all the shows that you go to with all the reviews that you write all the music that you listen to doing this show and living your life on top of that you know well, it's trying it's, to <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all real impressive but you know i wouldn't be surprised if you would honestly say like oh i feel like uh i'm not doing enough or it's not that great or, oh, all the time like, <laughs> yeah all uh -huh, the time uh-huh yeah, you yeah, know yeah. it's all like i could tell you walking in here you know the first time to balance breakfast and i've said this on the show before it felt like the first day of kindergarten because like oh god i'm in nashville now like mm -hmm. i can't just walk in with a marketing background and like take over like I can in a smaller market like mm. I need to sit back and learn mm -hmm. you know and there is always this sense of you know and it keeps you hungry you know it, it keeps you motivated to keep going but there is always this sense of 
I'm not doing enough, you know, and why am I not doing enough? What do I need to get better at? Mm -hmm. You know, which is both motivating and terrifying because, you know, especially, you know, when you get a larger look at the industry, there are tons of people creating content, you know, and it's just, it's, it can be intimidating, you know, as far as finding your voice and your niche within that greater industry. Mm-hmm. But I think the key for me has been to really work toward finding what that is. Finding, okay, what am I good at? And let me focus on what I'm good at and just build that up, you know? Like, there are a bunch of things that I would love to do, but right now I'm focusing on content because yeah. I know – the skills there to create the content mm-hmm. eventually i'll put it on an ep like in 2032 or something because i've always wanted to do that mm-hmm. but like for me to just come down here and be like i'm a musician now like no i'm gonna like learn from some actual musicians and then do my thing or whatever just when, come down here and be like i'm a musician now it's what fucking everybody else does oh yeah <laughs> yeah but you know i mean i figure though i have this skill set like i have this thing that brought me to the dance mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'm gonna work on what brought me to the dance sure you know and i'm gonna find mm-hmm. a niche for that and then you start to branch out in other things yeah you know then you start to kind mm-hmm. of find ways that you can play around that mm-hmm and create other things, right. you know? I mean, we all want to live as creatives a thousand lives, sure. right? But I think, again, for me, the focus has just been, okay, I, I know this part of it is where it needs to be, mm-hmm. skill-wise, talent-wise, mm-hmm. so I build that while I learn more about these other things mm-hmm. that I want to do. Yeah. So when I'm ready to do them, I'm actually ready, the skill's there, mm-hmm. and it can succeed just as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's always that like, look around like, man, you know, I wish I was doing that, or I wish I thought of this idea, <laughs> or, you know, and it's just like, you know, again, the the key, I think, is to not let yourself be so intimidated by it, mm-hmm. you know, and let it motivate you, let it motivate you to get better. Sure. And I think also, you know, take a look at where you are compared to where you were to mm-hmm. realize Hey, I can do that. I've already come this far. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you know your point about gratitude. It's very important to maintain a sense of gratitude. Yeah, for the journey, mm-hmm. for for the good, bad, and bowling shoe ugly parts of it, <laughs> because they all led to this point, mm-hmm. right? And they all lead you to find that direction, to find that purpose, to find your place and what you're good at, and what you can do to make that place and the sphere of influence around it better. Yeah, you know, and. I just think it's so important to just maintain that. I'm glad you brought up, you know, the sense of gratitude because mm-hmm. without it, it's just like, you, you know, it kind of deflates the purpose of the whole thing, right? It kind of deflates your ability to really reflect and be like, wow, you know, this is what I still do it for hmm. after all these years, after all these twists and turns. Mm-hmm. So. Well, thank you so much. This has been a very enlightening conversation, Austin. Austin James of The Slow Drag joining us. Uh, first of all, support everything this man is doing on Patreon. You can learn more at theslowdrag.com. Again, The Slow Drag has a podcast, too. Mm-hmm. That is the title of the podcast, as well as your reminder that you can listen every single week. Uh, of course, the live Facebook, The Slow Drag Brings a Buddy. New single every month. New single out today, June 3rd, by the way. That's so right. Plug that real quick for us. Um, what song is it? God, I, don't, I need my assistant, Jenna. Um, it's I Feel It Too, oh, which is one of my very rare, like, just straight-up love songs, mm-hmm. you know? it's uh, I actually wrote it for a friend of mine. She was telling me about 
this romance that she had and how it started mm-hmm. um, and just painted this beautiful picture. So uh, I wrote it, wrote, wrote the song, easy peasy song. And, you know, despite the, the, the love-hate relationship we expressed earlier with some pop punk, it's mm-hmm. very pop punky, <laughs> you know, very exactly what I was trying to do. This is something I would have cranked in the car mm-hmm. as a kid, yeah. you know, burning out donuts in my school parking lot or mm-hmm. something. Uh, yeah, I'm really pumped for this song. Mm-hmm. 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 So give it a listen. It, if you can't remember all those things that Gerard just mentioned, just Google the slow drag. I've worked really hard to get the first page of Google, and I'm almost 100% on the first page. So the slow drag, Google it. Got to work on that SEO out there, by the way. <laughs> Very important to, to make sure your SEO is in order. Otherwise, you whenever know. you get around to it, it wasn't important to me for a long time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and one day I just got it all done. Yep. I just remember that meme of like, you know, the first page of Google versus the second page of Google and the second page is like a desert that nobody goes to. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> There's nobody yeah. there. Yeah. I go to the second page once in a while, mm-hmm. you know, especially if I'm looking up like an indie artist who doesn't have their SEO in order. Sometimes you got to click a couple pages back, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, definitely uh, there's a lot to learn from the slow drag and just the methods and all the different types of content Austin's putting out. So I definitely recommend to you all to do that. Look up the slow drag any way you can on the internet. You'll learn a lot and you'll hear some good tunes too. Yeah, and it, just just to throw it out there, like I'm just a dude doing things. And if you hear this and you see what I'm doing and you have any questions, you can... Contact me via the website or my DMs or whatever, you know. Slide in those DMs. Yeah, got to gotta build up the community. Yeah. <laughs> all, all boats rise with the tide. Yep. Is that how it mm-hmm. is? Rising, rising tide, tide raises, raises all raises boats. All boats. Yep. Yeah. Love, that, love that saying. Mm-hmm. So, Austin James of The Slow Drag joining us here on The Quinn Spin, which you can hear on a number of different channels, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and now Spotify. Very excited about that Spotify thing. I've subscribed. Have you? <laughs> do it do it now i'm doing it right now as a matter of fact yeah, oh oh boy yeah. all right Hold look on. at that look at take that. out my it's here mm-hmm. it's been face down and on silent but <gasps> but here we go oh god no plosives <laughs> my pop stopper my makeshift pop stopper that i brought myself just fell down oh no here we go yeah quinn well, spin doing it done it all right we got another mm-hmm. follow and maybe yours as well after you hear this so you could also find us on facebook twitter and Instagram, remember, it's two N's in Quinn, two N's in Spin. Some people like to spell either one of those words with one N, but we do it with two in <laughs> each because that's just how quirky and fun we are here at the Quinn Spin. Also, go to undergroundmusiccollective.com, our central hub for this show and plenty of other content, including a review of the new single, which if I haven't done by now, I will be doing very soon. Dude, and thank you so much for all the love you've shown all the singles this year. I do really appreciate it. I love the singles. I love Broken Arrow got me, dude. Did it? Like, I'll tell you offline, but oh, like I was listening, I'm like, oh, this is that situation. Oh, God. Like, it really... That's always nice to hear, because, you know, I think it goes the same for a lot of artists. Like, once a song is out, you... You've gone through it from writing it to rehearsing it mm-hmm. to recording it to listening to the mixes to tweaking things in the studios to overanalyzing the masters, all that shit. Mm-hmm. You've heard it so many times that it's like, I don't even know if this is good anymore. Yeah. So it's always nice <laughs> to get some positive feedback. For sure. Especially for songs that you want to affect people. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one affected me, so thank mm. you for that. I, I was. I'm, I'm listening to them like, I'm going to have to listen to this a couple more times so I can actually review it, because like right now, it's just hitting me. <laughs> oh, man. So listen to that one. Listen to all the slow drag singles, and listen to our closing theme song coming up now, The Mad Sugars We Want the Night, Nashville-based band. Grab some muffins on your way out. I'll see you next month. Or you'll at least hear me next month. Take it away, Adam.
says I should leave this all behind Can't be treading water at 25 Paychecks here, not much left over for me But I'll call up my friends and we'll hit the streets Work so long, almost forgot how to play We'll raise our voices now and no one can take them away Expect who will meet There's no telling what 